This college football season, Gary Seegers, Kyle Hunter, and Parker Fleming will break down the games live every Wednesday and Thursday on our BetUS College Football YouTube channel. Subscribe, hit that bell now, and never miss a show. BetUS, where the game begins. Welcome to part one of our college football show with Gary Seegers, Paul Hunter, and Parker Fleming. College football chaos is in full bloom as we head to week three. There have been two top five teams upset already, and Monday, USC fired its head coach, Clay Helton. Our talented trio of insiders look at this week's schedule, which features a huge SEC contest between number one Alabama and 11th ranked Florida. Roll Tide or Go Gators? Remember to subscribe and ring the bell to get notified every time we go live, as you'll get a chance to ask away on our live chat. We'll be back on Thursday for part two. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show, and it is week three, and I am excited about it. We're going to be talking about the early slate today. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. On the left, our numerical guru, our analyst, Parker Fleming. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stats of War. And on the right, Kyle Hunter. He is our professional award-winning handicapper. You can find him on Twitter as well, at Kyle Hunter Picks. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. How you feel about last week? A great weekend, you know, a great weekend of games and uh, really good success with the plays. And that helps, right? You know, it makes it a little bit more fun when the, the plays go well. Um, totals did really good last weekend. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm excited for week three as well. So pretty pumped up to do the show here today. Same here. Same here. Now, Parker, a few surprises last week, but nothing, nothing that we didn't really see coming. How uh, how'd you feel about it? You know, I wish, Gary, that I had the confidence to pick Oregon outright. Not saying that at the time I did and wanted that, but, man, looking back at that, I was like, man, all right, I can. I kind of talked to myself, uh, you know, hedging there. But that was a really fun game. And, yeah, you know, some some down later in the slate. And, man, that Texas game where just who knew that that, that was going to happen and they were going to walk into Fayetteville and just get blown up. But a lot of fun to watch and, and a lot of good games. So uh, I think we've got a good slate again this week, honestly. Now you are correct about that. A lot of fun games, some more non-conference games, some big-time brand-name matchups, and we are pumped about it. Now, before we get into the games, go ahead and remind everybody you can sign up at BetUS. That is where the game begins, and you'll use the promo code NCAAF2021. You're going to get a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. I, I cannot stress how big of a deal that is. There is a link in the description. You can go ahead and click that and get it taken care of. There's no reason to wait any longer. We're into week three by this point. My God, go ahead and knock that thing out. Sign up again, the promo code NCAAF2021 for a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. That's a massive, massive deal. Now, since you're already watching the show, if you would, do us a favor so kindly. Hit the subscribe button and hit that notification bell, and it's going to let you know when we go live. This channel that we are on currently is the one that goes live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. We do the early slate on Wednesday. We do the late slate on Thursday, 
And that way you get as many games as possible where we see value and, of course, some of the bigger games as well. We want to make sure that everybody is here jumping in the chat, all that good stuff. We do have a Q&A at the end of the show. So uh, before we dive into the games, let's do a, a bit of a recap, give everybody an idea of where we stand on the season. And, uh, and where we are right now is I am currently on our picks. Uh, let's see if I've got them. I am 9-5-2 and two against the spread this year out of 16 picks. Kyle is sitting at six wins and five losses out of 11 official plays. And Parker, 11 wins, 10 losses, and two pushes out of 23 picks. Overall, if you have taken every game that we've given you, we are 26-20-4. That is not too shabby, my friends. Things are looking well thus far. I got to tell you, I'm irritated. I shouldn't have given out those two plays in week zero. I really shouldn't. I'd be sitting at a 75% win clip right now, and it is what it is. I will learn my lesson one of these days, I, I promise you. So, with that said, let's dive into the games. We're going to start off with a Friday night tilt, UCF traveling to Louisville. This is a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time game. The spread sits UCF minus 7, juiced at minus 105. Currently, total is 67.5. There's no real betting trend here. UCF 4-6 and six against the spread, their last 10 as a road favorite. Louisville 4-6 and six against the spread, their last 10 as a home dog. UCF however, against P5 opponents since 2007, or sorry, 2017, is 5-2 and two against the number. So they normally get up for these spots. These are two coaching tenures that are seemingly headed in different directions. I, I've got to figure out, is Scott Satterfield's offense really this bad? Uh, they won 30-3 to three last week against Eastern Kentucky, and they only had four scoring opportunities. They only got inside the opponent's 40-yard line four times. I mean, that is just ridiculous. Um, as far as the game is concerned, UCF's defense, like their weakness is the pass. Luckily, that's Louisville's offensive weakness. I, I don't exactly know what we're going to get from this game. My line on it was UCF minus three. I am not going to have a play. Uh, Kyle, do you have any thoughts on Gus Malzahn and Scott Satterfield's bunch? So my line here was UCF minus seven. So I'm exactly on the line. I will say my lean here is the under. We'll give you a total system here to start out. Uh, total system to keep in mind, Thursday and Friday games, so these uh, weekday games in the first half of the season, so the first six games of the season, the under is 439 and 353. That's 55.5%. So it's been pretty good on these short rest games to take the under. Um, the thing that that kind of ties to, too, is Louisville's playing their third game in 12 days. It's very rare you see anything like that. Obviously, they played that uh, Monday night game, and then they play here on an early game. So Louisville doesn't have near as much rest as most teams would normally have. Uh, you know, you can handicap that how you will. I think that is at least somewhat into the line here in this. Um, UCF's 15th in tempo in the country. Louisville's 103rd. They've slowed down a bit here. I think that they kind of realize that they're not that offensive juggernaut that they were in the past, right? You know, they don't have the, the uh, playmakers. Um, Cunningham's kind of on his own. You know, I, I don't see Louisville being that good offensively. The other thing is uh, UCF's defensive numbers dropped badly last year. But they had a lot of COVID issues, a lot of opt-outs. Uh, UCF has some talent on defense. Their defensive line has been extremely good. Um, they're allowing 1.1 yards per carry on the year. That includes that Boise State game where Boise couldn't do anything on the ground. Uh, they tried to, even though they had the big lead, they just kept being really, really cautious, and it cost them at the end. Uh, I think UCF has a much higher upside than does Louisville. 
but it's minus seven here. Uh, the question is, you know, the old Miss defense, which I don't think is very good, looked really good against Louisville. Uh, like Gary just said, really Louisville wasn't very good on offense last week. Do I think Louisville can keep up with UCF? I really don't. So while I don't think there's great line value in this one, if I had to play something on a side, I'd have to take UCF. Now, Parker, I, I will tell you, they lost a lot. The Louisville Cardinals did off of last year's team as far as the skill talent goes. Normally, you have guys that will step up in camp and and then in the first few games of the year, and you kind of figure out who the guys are that you can trust. I don't know that Cunningham has anybody that he can trust at all. Uh, tell me tell me your thoughts on UCF and Louisville. The This game comes down to kind of two factors. One, Louisville, two seasons in a row at the beginning of the year, has looked just less than sharp um, is probably the diplomatic way to say that. Against Ole Miss, they looked um, just absolutely – um, in, in disarray. I have UCF as the sixth best offense in EPA per game in uh, 2021. That also accounts for a couple really, really huge EPA swing plays. So you think about in terms of expected points, the first drive of the season, Dylan Gabriel threw an interception at the goal line that was run back for 100 yards. That goes from an EPA of, you know, five or six points to negative seven because the opponent scored. So that right there uh, kind of inflates their, or deflates their offensive total. I think last year we, um, excuse me, maybe in our previews, we talked about UCF and how Dylan Gabriel made only four turnover-worthy plays last season. He's already got four this season, and I think that's a, a, a good thing in a way. Of course, obviously, we don't want to turn the ball over, but I do think under Gus Malzahn, he is being challenged in a way that is helping him grow. So I think they'll really attack in the passing game. Um, I have, uh, you know, in, in the pass, uh, on offense, excuse me, the passing game, I think that they'll be really, really hard to handle um, and that their numbers are a little bit deflated. Additionally, looking at their defense, um, I agree I agree with Kyle. Um, not only will the short rest be a problem for uh, Louisville, but looking at UCF's defense, they're actually pretty scrappy in terms of the rush defense. They're seventh in the nation right now, negative 0.293 EPA per rush on defense. And they are 65th in EPA per pass at, at 0.097. But again, uh, a lot of that was a couple a couple big plays in that Boise game that kind of broke out. And last week, uh, you know, FCS opponent, they went and took care of business and looked really sharp on offense. So I like UCS offense here. I like um Louisville struggling a little bit, kind of getting some body blows. And so I think that this will this will be close throughout, but I do expect UCF to pull away at the end. And so that's why I like them minus seven. That that does make sense. I don't think that I have discounted Louisville enough in my power ratings. I, I just cannot believe that Satterfield's offense could be this bad. But it, it does appear so through the first couple of games, and we will see what it looks like on Friday night. So let's move to the official picks. And Parker is the one making a play here. He is taking UCF, taking the Knights, minus seven. The Gus bus rolls on. Looks like they might be 3-0 and once the uh, the weekend is over. So uh, with that said, uh, remind everybody, go ahead and jump into the chat. We will do a Q&A at the end of the show. And today's show, of course, is the early slate. So if there are games in the late afternoon and whatnot that you want to know about, just tune in tomorrow. Just knock that thing out. Don't ask about those games yet. Ask about the games in the morning. And we are, we're still going to hit on a few here. I think we got seven more games. Uh, Big Trouble Jack, Natalie, Casey, you know, everybody jumping in. We appreciate you guys. Next game on the board, another Friday night tilt. We got Maryland going to Champaign, Illinois, and the Fighting Illini are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs. Juiced at minus 105 for the underdog here. Uh, my line on it, I'll go ahead and tell you, Maryland minus three. I, I did not think that it should be over a touchdown at all or even a touchdown. 
Brandon Peters. Looks like he's coming back a quarterback for the Illini. It looked bad in that first game in week zero, uh, but apparently everything is is okay. It, he should be back for this game. Maryland, two and five against the spread in their last seven as a road favorite. Illinois, five and two against the spread in their last seven as a home dog. And on top of that, Maryland, only three and seven against the spread in their last 10 Big Ten games. They do not cover well. And I don't know if that's a Mike Loxley thing or what, but they have looked pretty good so far this season. Tua Tagovailoa in two games, already over 600 passing yards. Um, Maryland's numbers look fantastic. But I, I want to know, is it real and does it travel? Right? We haven't seen that yet. Uh, if West Virginia's Jared Dagey does not throw an interception late in that game against Maryland and West Virginia ends up winning, what is this line? How does that change the perception of the Terrapins? That's what I would like to know. Uh, Maryland did capitalize massively from turnover luck in that game, and and they could find the same luck here in this ballgame. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious about it. Um, Parker, I'm going to leave you out of this one. Kyle, give me your thoughts on the Terrapins and the Illini. Yeah, I'll say to start with, my line was Maryland minus four, so we're not far apart in this one. Um, I certainly lean toward Illinois here. I'm a bit cautious because Maryland burned me when I took uh, West Virginia in that first game, and I've been low on Maryland all year. I just kind of want to sit back and see, am I too low on Maryland? So this is the game where I want to see uh, if they can consistently show that they're better than what I thought. I still don't trust Mike Loxley. I don't think he's a good coach. Um, not that Bielema was a tremendous coach or anything, but you know, I think that Loxley laying this many points on the road is, is at least questionable. 72% of the bets on this game on Maryland. So this is kind of a contrarian play by Gary. And um, I think that makes sense. You know, Gary's the the old school football guy, running game, uh, old man football, as he says. Uh, I think it makes sense. He has a contrarian play. I do kind of like this one. Maryland's passing play success rate so far this year is 54.93%, which is 13th in the nation. Um, Talia has played really well so far this year. Illinois, 113th in defensive passing play uh, success rate. So I do think Maryland will get some points here. They'll get some big plays. Uh, Illinois has played at least a relatively tough schedule to this point. Um, I think they still have a strong rushing attack. It surprised me if Maryland can stop them. I don't think Maryland's rushing defense is very good. Uh, Brandon Peters returns for this game. I definitely think that helps. We know uh, Sitkowski looked good for short periods, but um, Peters is the better quarterback for Illinois. Um, you know, there's a lot of Maryland guys in the YouTube comments here. So, Gary, I'm rooting you on here because you might get some hatred if this one uh, uh, loses, but I, I think it's a good, good look. It, it totally makes sense. Now, it does terrify me that Illinois went on the road last week and got demolished at Virginia in an early game. That was a 10 a.m. Central Time kickoff, and, you know, that's a, they, they did get whipped pretty good. The, the passing attack for Virginia really surprised me. But coming back home on a Friday night, uh, a Big Ten home night game on a weeknight, I feel like the underdog – and you said, what, 73% of the bets, Kyle? Are coming in on Maryland? 72, yeah. 72%? A little bit of a, a reverse line movement here with, you know, Maryland was an eight-point favorite at the Open. It's moving back a little bit. I, I'm curious. I'm just curious. I, I feel good about this. I think Illinois it maybe not finds a way to win, but they can stay within that number. I think this will be a closer game than a lot of people expect. So let's move to the official picks. And I will be the one that jumps on this grenade here I'm going to take the Illini at plus seven and a half. I feel good about it. I feel good about Bielema. I think that he understands how to win in the Big Ten. And these two teams don't play often, but uh, but I do think that he will find a way to cover this number. 
moving forward, we are going to move to Saturday, and we have a 12 p.m. Eastern time game. Virginia Tech heads to West Virginia. Virginia Tech four and three against the spread as a road dog under Justin Fuente. West Virginia four one and one against the spread as a home favorite under Neil Brown. They are six and zero oh straight up in that position. Uh, Parker, let's let's go ahead and start off with you. Tell me your thoughts on the Hokies and the Mountaineers. Well, Gary, this this is the game I think will be ugly. Um, I, I had this one circled as potentially being uh, pretty fun this offseason, but West Virginia's offense hasn't really taken the step that, that I thought was possible. They're 92nd in EPA per play, um, and notably, they're uh, 114th in EPA per rush, negative 0.259 EPA per rush. If I may, I have some Letty Brown stats because I respect Letty Brown, the running back for West Virginia. He had high yards after contact last year, but it looks like he's not having um, that great of a season. Some of that's on the offensive line. So Letty Brown only has three runs of 10 or more yards in 32 account, uh, 32 carries this year. That's about a 9% rate. Last year, he had 30 of such runs in 223 carries. So that's about 13%. It's a pretty big drop off just in terms of rate and where West Virginia is getting their production from. Um, his yards after carry this year, yards after contact, excuse me, 2.25. Last year it was 2.94. Um, and so he's he's really not doing well kind of getting at those yards after separation. And if you look at his yards per carry and, you know, do a little algebra, you can see, oh, his yards before carry is actually pretty down this year as well. So he's getting hit earlier as well, which is limiting his explosive factor. I think that's the best thing about their offense potentially, and it's just not going very well. Um, Virginia Tech. On, on offense, 54th overall on EPA offense, uh, 23rd in, in EPA per pass there. So uh, more competent than it than it seems, but I really do think that their, their passing offense is going to shut down West Virginia so thoroughly that it's going to be really, really hard for West Virginia to, to do anything. So uh, Virginia Tech is negative 0.159 EPA per play allowed on uh, passes, which is 23rd in the nation. And they played Sam Howe, um, who's one of the better quarterbacks. Jarrett Dagey at West Virginia, God love him, is not Sam Howell. I think I can say that confidently. <laughs> so I um, I think that what's going to happen here is that Virginia Tech's corner specifically and their disruptive pass rush, uh, I have to call out a couple great names. Taiwan Garbutt uh, and Dax Hollifield have both been really, really disruptive, six pressures and three pressures uh, respectively. I think that they're going to cause problems for West Virginia's offensive line, which is struggling again this year. And West Virginia is going to have to rely on Daigie in a negative game script. And I just think that might get out of hand. Kyle, this line stinks to me. Tell me, tell me your thoughts here. <laughs> so, um, you know, to me, uh, I don't have a play on this game, but I do have a strong lean to the under. It sounds like Parker might kind of like that one as well, based on, uh, you know, that this 